Hey everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of the Stay Curious podcast. Um, we are so glad that you all decided to tune in. I am one of your hosts, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City Church, where we are recording, and I'm here with uh, lead pastor of that church, Mr. John Wagler, aka Wags Wags. What's up? What is up? This is episode one. So exciting. I know. We did it. We did it. We, we did it. <laughs> we finally did it. We did we, it. We didn't just put out a 10-minute uh, <laughs> intro and then never do it again. Um, yeah, we are here. We are super excited. Um, I felt a lot of pressure to come up. This is a thing that I do with my podcast where I feel this weird pressure to come up with a name for the people who listen. Like, hey, Curious Sights. <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird old radio thing, and I don't understand why I want to do it. Um, so here we are. Episode 001 of the Stay Curious Podcast. This is a podcast where we want to help everybody learn more about how to think instead of what to think. And we also want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community, as you heard in our very cool um, intro song uh, that we put together for you guys. So if you did not listen to episode zero, go back and listen to it. Then you can get a vibe for what it is that we're trying to accomplish here. Um, John, really quick, so that you're a human and I'm a human, tell yes. us how you're doing. You know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm tired of the rain, but excited that when I look at the temperature, that spring is truly here. I'm a shorts and t-shirt guy. You are. Wags hates that's, winter. That's true. It brings <laughs> me down, y'all. It's like wearing black. It really does. <laughs> I'm currently wearing all black. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually pretty excited. I'm, I'm more of a winter guy because I like listen to The Cure a lot, but I I have a Beach Boys side. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. Everyone's for happier when it's spring. Though. It really, it's true. And there's like science, right? There's yeah. vitamin D. You need the sun. Absolutely. It's a real thing. Absolutely. Cool. Well, um, we just want to really quickly let everybody know that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or uh, suggestions about mm -hmm. what we could cover in future episodes, please reach out to us. Um, you can go to Stay Curious, or actually, you can go to your email server and email staycurious at uh, hillcityrva.com, um, and we will read your emails um, either here on the show or we will take your feedback and try to incorporate it into how we do this show. Also, super important, um, please subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to the podcast. Um, and then rate and review us. It helps to bump us up in the rankings so that other people can hear the podcast and gives me the, the sense of validation that I so deeply seek by creating things. <laughs> so without further ado, um, today we are going to chat a little bit about a question I had for WAGS. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put WAGS on blast on episode yeah. one. <laughs> Not true. Um, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm going to ask WAGS a question about something he said in a sermon. How many weeks ago was it as of this recording? Three or four weeks ago? Probably four, I think. Four weeks ago. So our church is going through a sermon series um, cir circulating around the Sermon on the Mount, which for those who don't know is um, sort of Jesus's longest running sermon. Yeah. So um, longest uninterrupted teaching in the Bible. And um, we're going by it bit by bit. And a couple of weeks ago, we got to, I can't remember, I'm terrible with the Bible verses, can't remember the exact verse, but we got to the verse about um, money, greed, uh, not storing up things here on earth where moth can eat them, so on and so forth. Yeah, Matthew 6. Matthew yeah. 6, thank you. Yeah. So um, during your message, you made um, the comment that you don't think God is against wealth or the having of nice things necessarily. Correct. So I'm curious 
where um, in your reading of the Bible and your study of your own faith and theology, did you get that um, conclusion? Yeah. And let me first just say, too, as we engage in this discussion together, um, because I know you'll have a little different perspective than, than me, and I'm, I'm always curious about that. So, you know, we are neither one of us are economists, you know, neither one of us run the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, and so I think that's important. But to everyone listening here today, uh, that also includes them. Yeah, <laughs> so, you, you are know. also not. The, and if you are, yeah, please we'll, let us know. Yeah, please let us know. But <laughs> Uh, I think that's important. I think it's also important for us to just put out there that we both deeply care about what Jesus taught on anything. And and so, which is what I hope listeners to this, you know, are also interested in engaging as well. And, and also that there's a spectrum on this conversation, you know, when we're talking about politically uh, and how that ties into what Jesus taught. There's a spectrum on this from if you're a full-blown capitalist and you're going to fight to your, you know, the end of your life about that, or the same thing on socialism, you know. And so there's extremes on both sides. And so what we're trying to to do is engage this idea of what did Jesus actually teach in the midst of it. Now, part of it's hard, right, because there was no free market system back then, right. you know. Uh, so even like in in when Jesus was teaching he wasn't teaching at the same kind of time frame that we're in right now and how wealth works and, and everything else. There was more of a fixed wealth system back then and everything too. So I think we have to contextualize that a little bit, but I would say this, when you look at the whole of the Bible holistically, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see, the only thing I see about wealth that is negative is truly when it's about, all about consuming materialism, greed, or uh, um, like disregard of the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even when you think about the the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. when Jesus teaches, mm-hmm. you know, he's not saying that wealth was bad. He was saying that the fact that the guy didn't love people mm-hmm. with his wealth was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think when you when you look at how wealth is used throughout scripture in positive ways, Mm. um, the end result is kind of this idea of, I would frame it as love economics, Hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I think Jesus teaches. And so within that, then this is where I think there's some middle ground here. Mm. And I think that's the curious part of the conversation. It's because I think when you look at it, you've got people like, Solomon, who was considered wise and what mm-hmm. did right in the Old Testament. You you had wealthy people when, when God made the economic system in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. There were wealthy people. Mm-hmm. They, they just had, they had very specific things within their wealth that they were supposed to think about and do with their wealth, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yet there were some wealthy people there that had nice things mm-hmm. and, and uh, had positions of authority, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's also, when you look at someone uh, like a Lydia, um, where we we first meet her in Acts, and then uh, she helped start the Philippians church. But she was like a, uh, I heard one one preacher term her like a fashionista. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like she was, she uh, had like she had like garments and different things like that. But mm-hmm. she was very wealthy, and it would have been the equivalent of someone today having like a house in New York City and a house in Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like that was Lydia. Mm-hmm. But what she did was was with her wealth, it was leveraged for the love of people. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at about wealth in the Bible, I mean, you know, in first Timothy, it says that the love of money mm-hmm. is what's evil, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say that money is, mm-hmm. you know? And so 
there's a piece to that that I had to think, okay, well, some of the things what like I might consider nice is relative, right? Because mm-hmm. what I might consider nice might be excessive to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And what I might think is excessive might might not be to somebody. So, sure. I mean, like, yeah. there's like a sliding scale yeah, with all right, that right, too. Right. Um, cool. So I have a couple of thoughts um, or a couple more sort of questions that I want clarification on. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about Solomon, you mentioned, and maybe this was... Um, just an offhand comment, uh, but you mentioned that um, great wealth existed when God set up the economic system. But uh, I feel like Solomon and David and those guys sort of existed in a pre-existing social economic system. Or, or what would be your like God's? Uh, tell me more about God setting up an economic system. Well, th- so that would have been even before Solomon and mm. David. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about like. We're talking like Exodus okay. time frame mm-hmm. uh, throughout Leviticus and like all of those passages everyone loves to dig deep mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were very specific things that were um, set up that there was a recognition that there were wealthy people mm-hmm. and they were never ter- they weren't termed bad because they were wealthy. Mm-hmm. What was always bad was any point where p- people were hurt mm-hmm. or oppressed mm-hmm. Or that there were poor people, mm-hmm. you know, or the health of people was not taken care of. You know, there were there were all these rules set up, and which I think, if you're on kind of like the more socialist side mm-hmm. of the the conversation, you can pull from because mm-hmm. you can say, well, look at this. This is about redistribution of wealth and all those mm-hmm. other things. And I think there's some ground to stand on there. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't ignore the fact that there there wasn't like a very specific. If you're wealthy, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It was just, hey, all right, some people are better business people than other folks here. And that's fine. But you know what? In 50 years, you got to give all their land back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like there was like, no, no, no you can. But it doesn't say you have to give all your money back. Mm-hmm. Now, land was part of your money and stuff like that, too. But but it didn't say that, like, you couldn't have wealth. Mm-hmm. So my point is, like, there's this middle ground here that when you talk about staying curious about this topic of wealth, it's like, well, yeah, you can swing extremes to either side, but the truth is, like, if if you were to Google Christianity and socialism, it'll be like a hundred pages of articles and blogs, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're <laughs> Christianity and capitalism, it's the same amount. Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't think that either system is technically right. Mm-hmm. You know, even from a even from a biblical way, right? What do you think is it? What do you think it is about? Can you quickly summarize? what uh, you see as um, biblically incongruent with both sides. And if you can't, that's okay. We can save that for another time. But like start with capitalism, move to socialism about why are they both on their extremes, not biblically congruent? Well, I think because neither one of them is built on love. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, that would be like the simplest way. I mean, we could dig into like a bunch of details that would make this for a very long conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, are there elements that could be within a more socialist feel to things? Sure. Um, but we've never seen that. Like it's never worked that way, mm-hmm. you know, and in the same way though, in the capital, more capitalist free market system, um, there's, it's not built on love. And so that's why I think when we take a look at wealth mm-hmm. in, in kind of the biblical context, if we remove love from the equation, then we're making everything man mm-hmm. centered on man. Mm-hmm. You know, and so 
whatever side you lean towards, I, it, it, that's just what I feel mm-hmm. is like, man, when Jesus ever taught about wealth, it was all about general. So I'm like, I'm, I'm personally, I'm like, yeah, I'm for a free market system. Mm-hmm. I am. But like with the, with the concept that it should be like overwhelmed with love in the free market system. So it's like, we want this free market system to be set up because that enables us to be more generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's funny. It's sort of the same argument against both sides for both sides, which is because I think the more socialist view would be, well, if you set up the free market system and give the people the freedom to be generous, they'll be greedy. Um, (laughs) And the, the more capitalist side would be. Well, if you mandate people to be generous, then um, whoever's doing the mandating will end up being corrupt. So the guy, you know, if you, reallocate all the resources and the means of production to the government well then we know we can't trust the government whereas i think the socialist side is more like well we know we can't trust the rich or the one percent or sure. the yeah, yeah. bourgeoisie i think is the you know marxist term um so i guess where i get caught up or where i think the spectrum starts to spread a little bit is you know in our community we talk a lot about what does it mean to take the red letters seriously what does it mean to take the words of jesus seriously right so and we talk about this across the spectrum of so what does it mean to take pacifism or nonviolence seriously or is that even really what jesus is talking about what does it mean to take being quote unquote pro-life seriously um you know does that mean um all life does that mean you know whatever Yeah. yeah and so i guess when i look at the when i look at the text and I think about what does it mean to take Jesus seriously, I don't see where it's about um, generosity over wealth, or where it's more about generosity than wealth. What I'm seeing is Jesus taking a pretty hard line of like, hey guys, he's saying to his disciples, um, it's harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle, so very hyperbolic, right? (laughs) So basically it's impossible, Mm -hmm. is what I read there, for a rich person to get into heaven. That's pretty, ooh, that like if you read it that way, that's like pretty intense. Um, during uh, let's see, I'm terrible at scripture, so I wrote some down, or I'm terrible at quoting numbers. Um, in Mark 12, uh, where they talk about the poor widow, I know one of the conversations that we've had is, and, and sort of one of the connotations of, well, the more free the market is, the more people are free to give. You know, in the in the story, which isn't a parable, which is interesting. It's like written as, this is a thing that actually happened and Jesus commented on it. Sure. Verse one of Jesus' parables. Um, in the story of the poor widow, um, who, if you don't know, sorry, we shouldn't assume everybody's read their Bible. Um, if you don't know, basically Jesus and his disciples are, I'll oversimplify, but observing giving at the temple. Yes. And um, a few men come up and and give a lot. Um and then a poor widow comes up and gives very little, but it's all she has. Mm-hmm. And Jesus pulls the disciples aside and says, this is the thing. It's it's that this woman gave of her poverty while the others gave of their wealth. Which again is to me like, well, if you make $100 million a year and you give away $10 million a year, you're still wealthy. Like $90 million sure. a year is still a lot of stinking money. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you kind of reference like there's some strong, not politically socialist, but the, um, ideologically socialist um, themes and acts 
Specifically, yeah. again, I'll forget it's Acts Just 4. Acts 2 and Acts 4. Acts 2 yeah. and Acts 4, where yeah. in Acts 4 specifically, they say, and as folks had need in the community, um, occasionally people would actually sell their land, which if you think about it in our com- in our modern context, like imagine if you had a summer home and you sold it. So that's not even like tithing out of your bank account. That's like I sold a thing I had so that sure. I could give to others in the community. Now, I understand it's naive to think like that God or, or Christ is mandating a political system because, again, this whole conversation is us trying to reconcile democracy, the idea that we're allowed to vote. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, And that's true across these hot button issues, right? Yep. Like uh, whether it's abortion or gay marriage or war or whatever, yes. it's all like, well, how do we interpret these things that Jesus was telling an occupied people yeah. to us who are not occupied but are allowed to... How do you, you know, how do you apply your theology sure. to your politics, yeah. which is a whole nother podcast. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, um, what is it about your reading specifically of the things that Jesus said, removing Lydia, if you were to remove Lydia specifically from the New Testament, from the equation, um, tell me more about how you read the rich young ruler, the, the poor widow, the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, where mm-hmm. he literally says, you cannot serve God and money. And you said yourself in the sermon, which is great. Um, literally, Jesus does not set up Satan as the number one enemy. <laughs> yeah. He sets up money. Money as the number one competitor. Yeah. Crazy, because in cultural yeah. Christian, if you were to w- pull somebody off the street and say, who's the, who is the, who's the bad guy? Who's the Thanos of the Bible, right? Yeah. They would be like, oh, the devil, right? Sure. That's the yeah. opposite of Jesus is the devil. And Jesus himself says, no money is the opposite Correct. of me. Yeah. So those, I guess those are just some pretty, that's strong language from Jesus. Who is, who does use strong language sometimes, but sometimes uses very gentle language yeah. people and, and does stories and, and, you know, all these other things. How do you sort of read that and come away with it as um, it's okay to own a mansion or a very nice car or like, quote unquote, nice things? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to know more about that. Yeah, so I would just, I I kind of fall in the place of like, I think we should all be in a constant state of self-reflection with our money and our generosity, and that it's truly a heart issue. When Jesus says, whatever you treasure, you know, that's where your heart goes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and your actions follow and everything else. And so I think this state for uh, when it comes to our wealth and what we do with it, I I'm just a firm believer in that we all have to constantly have a moment of self-reflection with it. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus teaches about whether it's a rich young ruler or the poor widow or whatever, what he's really going after is the heart and everything. Because he also teaches, like he brings up in the story of Zacchaeus, like he he brings up this idea uh, where Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was cheating people and everything. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about wealth. It was about the fact he was defrauding people. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, if I'm a business owner, how am I defrauding? Is it possible I'm defrauding people by Mm -hmm. by my business ethics or the way that I pay people or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, is there something that I'm doing as a Christian business owner? Mm -hmm. You know, when he talked about the rich young ruler with everything, uh, he's going through and he's saying, it's not about the fact that because rich young ruler is like, I followed all the rules. And he's like, yeah, but I know your heart and all of this and you don't, you don't really love people with it. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, I'm, I'm like, well, okay, since there was no free market system back then. Mm-hmm. And I think generosity is always what Jesus was talking about in the heart piece. And, and even when you reference acts two and acts four, um, it's about generosity coming together. So I think if like Jesus were around now or Paul was around, now, mm-hmm. let's just use Paul, Paul was apostle. Paul comes around and he's like, Whoa, whoa you're telling me 
that as a Christian business owner or as a Christian CEO or as a Christian manager, whatever, Mm -hmm. that you have the ability to make all this money. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me you're not leveraging that for the common good of all people? Mm -hmm. You know, and and so and he wouldn't say now, like, you got to live in poverty or anything like that, because that's a different. I think the poverty gospel and the prosperity gospel are equally bad. Okay. You know, the poverty gospel is to say the only thing you can be is poor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way to kind of be more spiritual. The mm-hmm. prosperity gospel is like blessings from God and everything. And mm-hmm. it's about like wealth being a symbol of God, God's blessing on your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think both those things are destructive and um, equally as bad. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this heart issue and you're saying, okay, are we, as if you I call myself a follower of Jesus, how, Am I using my wealth for mm-hmm. the benefit of others and creating that kind of heart mm-hmm. for others? And so if if someone makes a million dollars and they give away $800,000 that year, mm-hmm. okay, so they're, they give away 80%, they live off 20, mm-hmm. and in that 20, they, they have a nice car. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like their hearts are incredibly generous. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so it... It doesn't affect. It doesn't necessarily affect that. You might say, "Well, they they could have gotten a Honda Accord instead of a BMW." I'm like, "Sure, but like, we could do that with the food we buy. We could do that with the clothes we wear. Mm-hmm. We could do that with everything." That I think you go down this rabbit trail really easily with mm-hmm. wealth. And so my thing is like, I think if we are Christians, we should be saying, "Okay, it's not about freaking out about socialism or freaking out about free market. It it should be. We should be freaking out about our generosity." Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Like I'll I'll say it this way: if if there are a million people in Richmond, right, mm-hmm. in Great Richmond area, let's just say there are two hundred thousand Christians. Mm-hmm. I know they're more than that, but let's mm-hmm. just use two hundred thousand. Right. The average salary in Richmond is fifty grand for an adult. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if everyone did just tithe, right, they lived off ten percent mm-hmm. and or, or lived off ninety percent, and they gave ten percent away, um, that would be a hundred million dollars into Richmond Mm -hmm. just from Christians, 200,000 Christians. Now there's more than that. And people, a lot of people make more than 50 grand, all that stuff Mm -hmm. too. But I don't think we, we fully see why the, the idea of generosity is such a big deal. And Mm -hmm. so it's not really about wealth. So I think as you, like, as you, every Christian, again, this is our family thing that we do, but I think everybody should do it. Mm -hmm. And that is like at the end of every year, you should evaluate what you've done on a generosity level and you should you, you should increase it the following year. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that what Jesus is teaching about the heart of generosity mm-hmm. is, is okay, then how do we continue to increase the generosity in our lives? Mm-hmm. You gave away 2% last year. How do you give away 3%? Mm-hmm. You can, you kind of keep doing that. And so, but I would say this, when the, when the conversation about Christianity and the gospel and then like socialism and capitalism, and they're kind of like merging all these things, mm-hmm. I think we have to remember that the Bible does not teach socialism. It does not teach capitalism. What it does is it teaches love economics mm-hmm. and and a generous heart. And then, so when a, when someone leans socialism, all I think they're doing honestly is they're being a they're they're seeing there are massive holes in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of poor people, mm-hmm. yeah, right, and um and and there are people that need healthcare, mm-hmm. and there are so I, I'm like. All they're doing is addressing holes in this system that we have here that are a direct result of materialism and consumerism and being selfish. Mm-hmm. And and then I think there are people on the other side that would say, well, we can do, if we're all generous, we can actually do this way better than a government-run social. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's truth in both arguments. It's just like when you go to the heart of what Jesus was talking about, it's like, no, we, we've got to look 
kind of in this middle ground and says, okay, these people over here are saying like healthcare is a major issue. I would even say that's like, look at what we do with the elderly in our country. Mm-hmm. Like we've got, um, we've got family right now. I mean, they're paying so much money. They're wiping out savings. They're wiping out all this stuff, you know, and, and we mistreat the elderly in our country. Mm-hmm. Well, why does that happen? Because we're selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And so, but if we were generous in this and what we do and everything, then we were following what Jesus taught. And even from a government structure, and this is going to sound like I'm leaning towards the, a little more left on the kind mm-hmm. of political scale with this, but in Psalm 72, it says this, and this is like in David's time. And, mm-hmm. and it says this, give your love of justice to the King. This is a prayer. Oh God. And righteous to the King's son, help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Help him defend the poor to rescue the children of the needy and crush their oppressors. Mm-hmm. So even like when when you're like, no, free market, capitalism, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you go to some of these writings that we have in scripture, it would say, well, if you're the king or you're an authority, then the heart of that should be like feeding the poor, mm-hmm. making sure people have health care, making sure there's no oppression in any kind of way or people being mistreated in any way. And like that should be the heart of the king. And if that's not the heart of the king, you don't support that because that's not godly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so and on the flip side of that, though, there, I think that there are uh, so many examples of being able to say, well, you could leverage wealth mm-hmm. that you could only get in a free market system mm-hmm. to like do way more good. Right. Yeah. I. So can you read the last couple of lines of so- that psalm? May the mountains yield prosper, prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful, and help him, help him to defend the poor, rescue the children of the needy, and to crush their oppressors. Sounds a lot like workers of the world rise up, cast off your chains of oppression, and reclaim the uh, means of production, which is the opening to Karl Marx's communist sure. manifesto. Yeah. No, there are massive holes uh, yeah, in I Marxism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, Hey everyone, this is Matt. Just wanted to take a quick break in the conversation to remind everybody that Easter is coming up. And if you or anyone you know is looking for a safe place to explore their faith during Easter Sunday, we would love to just invite you over to Hill City RVA. Um, You can go to easterinrva.com for more information and to sign up. Um, It's not a ticketing system per se. It's just a way for us to get a feel for how many people are going to be there. So head over to easterinrva.com. You can also direct anybody you know who may be looking for a spot on Easter Sunday to worship to easterinrva.com. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. It might be disingenuous to say I have a pushback on what you just said because I agree with a lot of what you just said. Maybe this is more a challenge to folks out there. Yeah. So we talk about, um, and this is a thing we're having big conversations about with, you know, big 25 cent words like hermeneutics and um, how do we, how do we divine like what the Bible means versus what it says and how do we um, apply what was true then and make it true now and and very different. Um, So then we should acknowledge that they did not have democracy and did not have free market capitalism. So when he talks to the rich young ruler, wealth then was very different. So the, the idea, I think the, um, the, idealistic version of capitalism is that bootstraps capital, you know, that um, rugged individuality of like, you can't, the great thing about a free market is you can start from nothing and build something, which is not a thing that really existed in, in ancient times. Like you were, you had familial wealth. It was all family. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, it, in, in, on some level you own land, you had familial wealth. Yeah. Here is something I want to um, challenge people with, which is the, very specific 
challenge of free market capitalism where you can build something from nothing but also where you do depend on the labor of others um, to build your own wealth is for the rich young ruler presumably he didn't like start from nothing work real hard and, and gain wealth and then have jesus ask him to give it all away right he we I'm have casting, no idea we have no idea i'm yeah. casting some aspersions yes um what i'm trying to get at though is um, when we talk about giving and being generous, when we talk about love economics, I think it's easy for us to slip into a thought process of sort of an ecclesiastical, uh, is that a word, ecclesiastic, <laughs> ecclesiastical um, sense of like, yeah, I make all this money and then I give 80% of it or 10% of it or 15% of it to my church. And so I've done my job. Um, but because of existing in free market and and some some of us having um capitalistic type wealth we should also assess how much are my employees paid mm-hmm. how like a form of generosity and love economics isn't just um i'm so sorry if somebody listening to this is, runs a cc's pizza but like the idea that like the guy in the button-down shirt at, at a cc's pizza um or the person that owns that mm-hmm. um that local chain um verse the person who's making the pizza, the wealth gap there is astronomical. Sure. Um, so I guess I just want to challenge people to think about that, not just think, okay, cool, I'm making all this money. I'll give 80% of it away. But as you're giving, think about how you can adjust the system that you're in control of to be more generous or to be more fair, really, because it's really just not fair to, to pay somebody below yeah, a, a living wage, and then yourself make money, and then give a lot of that money away, and feel good about yourself. Well, and that would be anti-biblical behavior, right? Without a question. I mean, right. even when you look as far back in the Old Testament, when they talk about gleanings for the poor and things like that, there were things set up mm. to make sure the stuff like that didn't happen. Mm. You know, like even if you were wealthy in the Old Testament, you had a responsibility to bring anyone who was poor up. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. That is part of the responsibility biblically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with what you're saying from a um, biblical point of view. Uh, and But I would say, like, you can do that in the free market system, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, again, it's a heart, it's more of a heart issue with everything. And there, I, I get it, there are complexities with anything. But, and, and we're not going to solve all of those. But I think we're, what we're addressing is like the heart thing. Like, for instance, if I heard of a business owner who's got a massive company who decides to move all of his jobs to Africa, mm-hmm. and um, but he does it out of love. Hmm. He says, you know what? I'm moving all my American jobs uh, to Africa because there's so many other jobs available in America right now that people could get. And in Africa, I could go over there and give 80,000 jobs to these people, um, pay them a rate that would be so great, would bring them out of poverty, mm-hmm. get them education, all that, which education is a whole other like, topic, you know, mm-hmm. everything else. And and I would say out of love, then I'm like, that's a beautiful thing. Why wouldn't we celebrate that? Right. You know, and, but then, and you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to do that in like a totally socialist economy and everything else. But like in a free market system, you could do something. Now the flip side is also true. Someone could do that very thing in a free market system and be greedy as all get out for, to pad their own pockets, which is what a lot of companies do by mm-hmm. slave labor and everything else. And so my point is, is that there is, it all boils down to like, what's the heart behind everything that you're doing? And all of us have to get questioned on that. No matter where, like you, it doesn't matter if you're a business owner or if you're just the, on the lowest of the totem pole, it's mm. like, you still have to have 
the self-reflection of your heart and your generosity and how you think about things. And so that's when I think when you talk about, well, how does the Bible feel about wealth or how does it work within the con- concepts or in the constructs of our systems and everything else that we have in play? It's like, well, it's kind of muddied in some ways, because if you were to take the Bible uh, at every turn, you'd be like, okay, it does say there should be no poor among you. Mm-hmm. Right. But then it also says, don't be lazy. And not that all poor people are lazy, clearly. I'm not even remotely saying that. Right. I'm just saying that some people are mm-hmm. and, and wealthy people too. Mm-hmm. But like, but it's like, it's against laziness. But then it's like, but you got to bring people up. Or it's, you know, um, everyone should have, I, I believe that you can easily make a biblical case for everyone should have health care. Right. Okay. And I don't, I don't think it's terribly hard to do so. But then how does that get accomplished? Right. Right. And then what about the personal responsibility of people to be healthy? Mm-hmm. You know, which I think would be a very biblical concept to treat your body as a temple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like there's, I think when my, so my point is, is whether people like run to someone like Bernie Sanders or AOC for like economic things, or they, they run to Trump or whatever. And I'm like, I think we all just need to hit pause for a second and realize that from a biblical standpoint, and, and those are just the easiest kind of right, people right. to say, but sure. from a biblical standpoint, none of them represent Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, you can pick apart either side. I mean, I could go to Trump's side and be like, I mean, listen, he doesn't represent Jesus, in my opinion, very much at all, and kind of how he talks, how he acts, and even his lifestyle and all those things. And But like even the like religious people around him, that we can, like, they're heavy on the prosperity gospel side. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, that doesn't like tie into what Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. You know, but in the same way, you could be like to stuff with like Bernie Sanders and AOC and, and those folks, you can be, kind of pick apart a couple of things that they do. They'll be like, well, that's not what Jesus taught either and, or what the Bible kind of feeds into. And so anyway, I just think when it comes to this stuff, I think when we talk about personal challenges and things like that, it's like, okay there is a collective communal element to the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And, and this is why I always talk about this from the platform and platform stage. It's <laughs> weird to say platform um, from the stage uh, and why we talk about it as a core value of who we are. And, and it's like, there's no question. Jesus taught irrational generosity. Mm-hmm. You cannot get away from it. You cannot justify it. Um, people get in all these theological arguments about tithing and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who cares? you cannot get away from Jesus talking about irrational generosity. You can't. Mm -mm. And so um, I just fully believe that if you call yourself a Christian, the challenge is how am I irrationally generous? Mm -hmm. And if you can't answer that question, then the next thing that should happen is how do I do this? How like, I've got a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. and you can have your leanings like politically and all that. And that's totally fine. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's totally justifiable. Like when we sit and talk and have political conversations about economy and stuff like that, I'm like, I totally value what you're saying because I'm like, no, I get that. Mm -hmm. Like there's like, there's some solid truth to those things. Mm -hmm. But I think in my opinion, from a Christian perspective, I think we need to shut our mouths a little bit Mm -hmm. and have some time with self-reflection and be like, instead of like getting so enamored with like a certain side, we should be like, huh, how in the world am I irrationally generous? Hmm. Because until I get to that point, like the truth is, is like the things we want to see change. Well, like when I brought up like the hundred million dollars about here in Richmond, if Christians just did that, I get it. There are costs to having churches. It's not like all of a sudden there's an influx mm-hmm. of a hundred million dollars, but, but you can't convince me within our city. If every Christian, however many thousands of Christians that, that there are, um, 
even if every Christian gave 10%, mm-hmm. let's say, right? Which we all could. Mm-hmm. We, we all could right. do that. Um, like if tomorrow came in, and I said, Matt, guess what? Budget's a little lower. We got cut. Everyone's getting cut 10%. We wouldn't be like, we're going to die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we're right, yeah. like, so anyway, if every Christian in Richmond did that and we all pooled our money together mm-hmm. and we're irrationally generous together and then the people that it's easy to do 10%, maybe you can do 20%. Mm-hmm. And the people, maybe it is actually truly like because of just life, maybe 10%, not, the other people make up for it, right? So, but we communally do this together and we're rationally generous together. You can't, you can't tell me we wouldn't start curing the education problem mm-hmm. or the hunger problem mm-hmm. or the issue, like the common good issues of those. And it wouldn't be about a system. Mm-hmm. It would be about people being irrationally generous and following what Jesus taught. And that within that, um, we are using our wealth. And this is why I say I don't think wealth is a bad thing because we're, we are using our wealth with the right heart of love. Mm. And so I'm for whatever builds wealth that can be used for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so without someone trying to control it or using it for power mm-hmm. or you know consuming more or to buy more nice things or anything like that, I'm like, I'm all for uh, whatever is going to build the most wealth to be leveraged f- to use for um, the common good and flourishing of all people, which is Jeremiah 29, if you want to read that. Mm-hmm. But like it's, you know, this is, I think that's at the heart of what the Bible speaks to, in particular what Jesus taught. Um, I think when you think about wealth and the generation of wealth, I, this even goes into, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but like this even goes into the fact that I think every, like we as Christians should be like the fiercest environmentalists. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's taking care of God's earth, but mm. also like if you're if you're if you're a free market person, mm-hmm. like strong capitalist person, I also think you should be the biggest environmentalist, mm-hmm. because like so much of what is produced out of our earth and everything like leads to jobs and leads to wealth and leads to thing like taking care of what God has given us the ability to produce wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, so I, I just think like, but we don't spend time thinking about those things and mm-hmm. and everything else, and so. I think when you talk about wealth and you talk about uh, is it good or is it bad or everything, it's such a sliding subjective scale with like materialistic things. But mm-hmm. what isn't is is like the heart of it. Hmm. So yeah, I think that I have a couple of thoughts. I should have been writing down notes. Um, you know, I think ultimately we're forced to. So one of the things that people who are really scared of socialism or communism will will say is well look what it did to russia to whatever yeah i mean there's a long list and what i don't hear a lot of um even in my little liberal bubble is people saying um well look what free market capitalism did um you know we've got your profit-driven healthcare system which Mm -hmm. we're agreeing is not biblical um you talk about things not being biblical um Nobody seems to want to talk about what's on the front of or what what stands on the steps of the stock exchange. Literally a golden bull. <laughs> like, how did that get through? <laughs> like nobody, sure. in a quote unquote Christian nation, nobody like poo-pooed that somehow. Um uh and I guess my thought is just um I have a hard time getting around this. A person makes I think your example earlier was a person makes a million dollars. Um, they give away 800, 80%, $800,000, very generous. Um, and they buy the BMW. I just don't understand. I guess I just experientially have not seen the congruency of um, wanting a 
extravagant thing and your heart being right. Does that make sense? I, I would agree. I would agree with you to a point. Like, I just don't see, I see why ideologically what you're saying works. Yeah. But I don't see the evidence of it. Just like um, people understand, might read Marx and be like, oh, this is a good idea. It just doesn't work. Sure. Or people look at free market capitalism and be like, yeah, this is a good idea. But now what we have is oppressive exploitation and people dying on the side of the road with no insurance. Sure. Um, so I guess if you take that down from the macro down to the micro of your specific example, I, and again, that's like not based on data because how can you collect data on people's hearts? Like it's kind of impossible, right? Yeah. We've never known another person's heart. Yeah. I guess you my... just judge them like crazy. Right, we just yeah. judge, which is in the Bible <laughs> that we're allowed to do that, right? Um, uh, that's not true. That was a joke. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I guess I just like, again, experientially, anecdotally, I don't see... I don't see that. Or, or like your example of I'm going to move all these... Um, jobs to Africa because it's better for the people of Africa. Um, well, then my question would be like, yeah, but what are you paying them? It's like, oh, well, I pay them $10 an hour, but in Africa, that's huge. It's like, but are you saving money? Like, are you making more money, even if it's better sure. for them? Like, it's a layered, it's a little more layered and nuanced when it comes to this more complicated economic system that we yeah. have versus the economic system set up in Roman, you know, occupied Roman sure. Empire. Um, but this is where I would say, so, for example, like, I'm certainly not going to name names, but, right. like, I know a few people that just popped into my head that are incredibly wealthy here that I know very well mm-hmm. um, that don't attend Hill City. Mm. Um, well, one of them does, but, like, they're off the charts generous. Mm. And they are people that are consistently trying to seek out more ways to be generous. Mm-hmm. And they have provided jobs for people. They have taken care of so many people. But you and, and but they live in like super nice homes, mm-hmm. you know, and they drive nice cars and they mm-hmm. take nice vacations. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think that there's, I don't think that's a bad thing though. Like they're living their life in generous. And there's and part of it too. Honestly, we, I think we have to remember, God doesn't um, want to stop us from having joy and enjoying life too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there's a there's a piece to this too that like all right, so they took a nice vacation or they mm-hmm. have a nice home. They've got some nice stuff. Now, do I think even those people have to have moments of like, do we really need this? Mm-hmm. You know, is this too much? Sure. And I think they do. Mm-hmm. I just think that sometimes we have to remember everyone's everyone's on a journey and a process with this too. And so I think that's why it's important that sure, absolutely, anecdotally, like, yeah, I could tell you of people who've got, who make a lot of money, mm-hmm. have a lot of nice things and don't give anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I also think, and it's not just wealthy people, right? It's middle-income people. Mm-hmm. It's poor people, too. Yeah. So it's not, um, even though statistically poor people are way more generous than wealthy. But still, you know, y- you and me, like, it's, it, we have to continuously keep asking the question, is this too much? Mm-hmm. And can I do more for others? And, but I think that it is okay to also say, like, I don't think we're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, man... Why did you take those vacations? Mm-hmm. Why did you enjoy my creation? Why right. did you enjoy, you know, kind of the fruits of your labor? I just don't, I don't see that as problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do see as problematic is is being greedy mm-hmm. and not having and not continuing to question ourselves. And and you know, in Philippians, Paul writes, uh, we got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is like an awareness that we have to c- constantly be like questioning ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, being like, 
wait, is this, does this line up? Mm. Is this okay? And I think what ends up happening is your heart gets to the right place, mm. you know? So if someone's got a nice house, but what if they use their, their nice house to entertain people and they, they've used their nice house to, um, uh, be to share the gospel and they, they gather like high school kids there and they've got a big record. You know, so they're mm-hmm. just like things like you did young life, you know, like, like right. that's there, oh, yeah. you know? So like, yeah. so there are things there where I'm kind of like, yeah, but there's like a whole other side that people can, I know several people when we did youth ministry, they had massive homes mm-hmm. that were just like, you literally can use this for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And we did, yeah. right. You yeah. know, and we like, did, yeah. yeah, you know? And so I'm like, well, that's super generous. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Like in a system where they couldn't maybe achieve that wealth, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be available. Mm. Now you can make an argument that, well, there'll be other things available or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I would say maybe, but it doesn't mean that like that something else is automatically right or that wealth is wrong. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I feel it's really about heart. Mm-hmm. And so it's not wealth that's wrong. It's, it's, it's really about how do we view our own wealth and everything else. And so, yeah, to your point about if, if they're underpaying the, the people in Africa and they're mm-hmm. still making more profits, you know, when you said that, I would say, absolutely. I would say the, the generous business owner who wants to do the thing in Africa, the fictitious thing that we're making mm-hmm. up, yeah. but like the if the generous business owner that wants to do that is paying those people well, turning around whatever that profit is and reinvesting it to help other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the, so. <clears throat> and I want, so if you have tuned out... <laughs> I want you to pay attention again because I want to make a couple of affirmations and, and a couple of points that we're trying to get across. The first one is this, and this is something that I've had to learn, and it's something we talk about a lot at Hill City, or at least maybe in this office, mm-hmm. certainly. We don't want to sacrifice the good at the altar of perfect Yeah, because none of us are perfect. Yep. So um, when I say... So I want to affirm what John is saying in that if the person who gives away the 80% and still buys the BMW has thought long and hard about it and really challenged themselves, that's a good thing. We need that. Whether I agree with the BMW purchase or not, that I, I don't want to say, oh, then it's all bad or like, oh, no, that's not a step in the right direction. Also, I want to affirm meeting everyone where they're at because we're not going to wake up tomorrow at zero. We're all where we're already at. And so it really is about individual responsibility and individual self-reflection and prayer. Thirdly, um, I want to say that, and this will come up a lot in this podcast, especially as we talk about like how does our theology inform our sociology and our our policy, and um, we are constantly oscillating between the micro, the small, the individual, and the macro, the system, and we can never sacrifice the one for the other. The whole idea of again that twenty that twenty five cent word hermeneutics is like mm-hmm. studying the forest by studying the trees and understanding the trees by knowing the whole forest, and so um, whether we believe that lean and again socialism and capitalism is a spectrum, communism capitalism is a spectrum. So whether we lean on that spectrum more to one side or the other. We can agree that individual responsibility and the reassessment of your individual heart is important. Correct. Um, what we don't want to ignore, though, is that how we as Christians vote, protest, choose not to protest, um, write to our Congress people, whatever, like how we affect the larger system is not unimportant. Would you agree? I, I'm no, maybe I do agree with that. I, yeah. think, I think that's why I think everyone's point of view is valuable, too. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's on the political scale or personal scale or whatever, mm-hmm. it's important because what 
what kind of gets someone passionate. People are only passionate about really things that are like, I, there's a problem there, mm-hmm. right? And right. so I think we have to like really look at, well, what's the problem and why is it there? Mm-hmm. And so I totally agree that um, it's important to continue to just listen mm-hmm. because there's a lot of truth in what's being said and there's holes and all those things. And it really does boil down to our hearts and self-examination. And I would also say this, you know, when I said love economics, first mm-hmm. Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Mm-hmm. It's used for weddings and all of that. Uh, but really it's about God's love for us and what we're supposed to be like to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so if you put wealth in that and you're like, all right, if I'm going to use wealth and what does it look like? Mm-hmm. And you can run down the list, you can read it yourself. But I would say this, when we ever get to any of these topics about anything of the challenge of self-reflection and everything, there's a part in that first Corinthians 13. It's like about being a noisy gong or clanging mm-hmm. symbol yep. if you don't have love. And I think what ends up happening sometimes is people pop off about certain things one way or the other mm-hmm. without really assessing the fact of actually, you know what? I don't really love anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, I, yep. and then this could be left or right. It's like, you can lean one side or the other, but if we aren't like, be, like taking a step back with our wealth in this case, what we're talking about, it'd be like, wait, do I really love people with my wealth? Because mm-hmm. if I don't, then I'm just a noisy gong or clanging symbol. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't really, you know, and so yeah. I think that's also important for us to, to like really process together as you're kind of thinking about your own wealth, whatever that is. If you make eight grand a year mm-hmm. or if you make 2.3 million a year, mm-hmm. you know, if we aren't all assessing our hearts and our generosity and seeing what it means to continuously increase our generosity, then we are truly going against what Jesus taught. Agreed. Yeah. I think that that's an important point um, is that if Jesus or God were to appear right now to you and I in this podcast booth and say either, um, yeah, socialism is right or yeah, free market capitalism is right. Um, it wouldn't even be about one side being right. He would still be more concerned with how that's communicated, Absolutely. whether it's with love or not. Yeah. Um, and I think on both sides um, of the spectrum, um, you know, taking where we've seen communism do terrible things yeah. and where we've seen free market capitalism do terrible things, what's missing isn't the perfect system, it's love. Yeah. Um, so I agree. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, we want to, I think, at as we wrap up these episodes, um, send challenges out to those who are listening, um, mm-hmm. those people in our community. And I think the first thing is that just have love in what you do in your conversations. Um, be humble, um, be peaceful, be patient, um, have joy and have love um, when you think about these things. Mm-hmm. I know for me in my life, like it's only been in the last couple of years that I've even considered the idea that um, hardcore free market capitalists who are also Christians simply still think that the poor should be cared for. They just don't think the government are the people to do it. That sure. literally never occurred to me. <laughs> sure. uh, I just did, I just yeah. thought it was one of those things, you know, that I just like, it's just not congruent, but yeah. it, it's, we're more arguing about who takes care of the poor rather than, yeah. or, you know, whatever, whether or not they should be taken care of. So be humble, seek other people's perspectives, listen, um, and just think about what, whatever side you're on, um, or whatever sort of like part of the spectrum you're on, just think about how you can understand the other side more and how that might, um, broaden and color your experience moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, and if I were to suggest a couple of things, it's like a personal challenge for everybody. I would say 
breathe a little bit from this conversation uh, politically and remove yourself from it because I think what we all have to do first is spend some time, uh, honestly, I would say like just you and God and being like, okay, I need a heart check here with all of this stuff. It, mm. Do I really operate out of love with my money mm. and my wealth and what I've been entrusted to? Am I really a good steward of this? Can I, could I, if someone were to ask me, how do you tangibly love people with your money and with your wealth? Do I have an answer? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would have to ask ourselves too, hey, we're, we're in April of 2019. Am I more generous than I was in April of 2018? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, that's a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I think, I think we've got to have those moments of true self-reflection in this con and no matter where you are on the spectrum of wealth, mm-hmm. uh, because it's not really about the system per se, it's about how we feel about wealth. And so, uh, I think that we do that. And I would say this to, uh, read yeah. and learn mm-hmm. and, uh, there are good books out there on both sides that talk about Christianity and socialism, Christianity and free market, mm-hmm. you know, like redeeming capitalism is, is a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Um, even the sojourners website, mm-hmm. which leans more on the social socialist side of things, uh, really good to read thought provoking, mm-hmm. challenging. Uh, and so those are like two things that would be like easy to do mm-hmm. to kind of just help you, you kind of think through some of these things on a deeper level. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, as we wrap up, I guess my, my last thought would be, um, yeah, as you do that heart check, as you spend time with God and and take that breathing moment, um, because I, I know for me, sometimes I've used that taking time with God as really just an excuse to sit alone and stew, um, (laughs) rather than really learn while you're doing that. I would challenge you guys, uh, you all out there to check where you, God does not um, ask you to function out of fear or anger. We know this. Like that's scriptural. You can't argue that. If you're on the if you're on the more conservative or or more um, free market side, think about where in your life you are functioning out of fear that someone is going to take away what you have. And if you're on the more socialist side, think about this: Do you think that way because you love poor people or because you hate rich people? <laughs> honestly sure um because of something that was done to you or yeah. whatever so just contemplate that um john thanks so much yeah it's great this is an episode 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 done. done and done um if you want to reach out to us again you can do that by emailing stay curious at hillcityrva.com rate and review us uh if you get a chance and hit the subscribe button because in two weeks we're gonna have another episode coming out awesome awesome bye everybody see you